Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. All right, so we're jumping into a new series today, as you saw from our video. We're calling it Easy Street, and we're really excited about it. If you haven't done it yet, go into your Connect folder and grab not only your sermon notes, but grab this little pink card here that you got. I love the graphics for this. looks like an old-timey, welcome-to-Palm-Beach type of postcard that people would mail when they came on vacation here, because listen somebody's got to suffer for Jesus and live in Palm Beach County. And if somebody's got to do it, we'll do it. You know, I mean, gosh, it's a beautiful place. So we're talking about Easy Street. Now, for those of you who are here in person, grab these cards. For those of you who are streaming online, you can go to our sermon series page and you can download the very same graphic with our memory verse that we're going to read just in a second to put as the background for your phone so you're not left out either. But this is what these are for. We want to help people memorize a passage of scripture with each sermon series that we do. It's a great spiritual discipline that I would highly commend to you. So our theme verse for the Easy Street series that we are launching today is John chapter 10, verse 10. We'd see a B on there. That just means it's the second sentence in a verse. A verse might have multiple sentences. If we're only going to use one part of the verse, it's going to be the second half there. So obviously John 10, 10, B. Let's read this out loud all together. And for those of you who are streaming online, I ask you to read this out loud with us as well and join on in. I don't care where you're at to read it out loud. Okay, here we go. Ready and go. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. These are the words of Jesus. This is what we're going to be diving into over the next several weeks. So we're really excited about it. So, like I said, we're kicking off this new series, Easy Street, and it has a very summer type of feel to it. And it's really the beginning of summer. I don't care if it's technically summer or not. Is it technically summer yet? No, it is. Walk outside. It is. School is out. It's hot. It's summer, okay? Now, I want you to picture with me, what do you picture when you think of summer? What are the scenes? The sun, hot. I think of, uh, I think of beach chairs. I think or mangoes, that's good. I think of big umbrellas at the beach. I think of little umbrellas in a cup. I, I think of a pool chair or you know, pool chairs. I think of Fourth of July barbecues. Mm-hmm. I think of all sorts of this stuff. I, I think of the smell of sunscreen. It's just great. Summer's a great time. It's the season of people going on vacation, people going out of town. And especially when you're out of town, you're relaxing during the summer. There's something about that. And don't, now, I don't know about you, but I've thought this way on vacation many times. I bet you have too. Oh, I just wish I could live like this year round, right? (laughs) Where we all want to live in a state of vacation. We all want to live on, I'm just painting this picture of easy street. We're on vacation. There's nothing wrong with vacation. And on easy street, when we picture that, what if I could just live my life like this? I'd live a worry-free, work-free, stress-free, care-free existence. I want to live on easy street. That's where it's at. There's only one problem with wanting to live on easy street. It's that Jesus, did you hear the thunder outside? <laughs> 
Dun, dun, dun. Uh, there's only one problem with easy street. Jesus never promised easy. He never promised easy, especially for those of us who are learning to walk in the Jesus way. We're learning to be followers of him. And for those of you here where you're not sure if you're a Jesus follower yet, you're checking out church, maybe for the first time or for the first time in a long time, for those of us who are trying to walk in his ways, we think that he has the best path for life. And the problem is Jesus never painted a picture of easy street. In fact, he did the opposite. John 16, 33 says this. Jesus being a buzzkill says, in this world you will have trouble. In this world, you will have trouble. Which for me, that's a little comforting for me. Because for the trouble that I've faced in life, it helps me know that there's not something wrong with me because I've had trouble in life. If you've had trouble in life, there's nothing wrong with you. It means that you're human. This whole picture of easy street of life, worry-free, carefree, work-free, stress-free life in existence, that you too can have this with only six easy steps if you buy this self-help book. It's just not true. And it's not what Jesus promised. In fact, here's where I want to kind of just start today that I want to help you understand with this concept of easy street that all of us long for. Easy street doesn't exist. Easy street doesn't exist. This is really important for you to know. It doesn't exist. So let's say hypothetically this picture of this life that some of us aim for, we're going to call it easy street. Let's go with that metaphor of a street and addresses and stuff. Let's talk about addresses for a minute. So with a good address, you can do a lot of helpful, productive things with that. With a good address, you can punch it in on a GPS thing on either on your phone or in your car with your Maps app. and It'll get you where you're going with a good address. With a good web address, you can punch that into your web browser and it'll take you to the exact website you want to go to and the internet and the whole world is at your fingertips with the right address. With a good mailing address, you could send a thank you note, a letter, an invitation, anything. You could send it to the right place with a good address. But if you have a bad address, man, that's frustrating. Uh, For instance, if you're trying to on, a, on your Maps app or GPS, you punch in a bad address that says no location found or worst yet drops you off in the wrong part of town that's not your location. <laughs> if you have... People are going, Loxahatchee. <laughs> I get um, If you have a wrong web address, worst case scenario, it takes you to God knows where on the internet. And, but best case scenario, if you have a wrong web address, you get a blank page that says 403 page error address unknown. And if you have the wrong address for where you're trying to mail something, you have a bad address to where you're trying to mail it, uh, mail something, it'll return back to you with a red stamp on it. It says return to sender address unknown. If you ever remember that Elvis Presley song, Return to Sender? It goes like this. Elvis sings, don't worry, I'm not going to sing. Elvis goes like this, return to sender. I gave a letter to the postman. He put it in his sack. Bright and early next morning, he brought my letter back. Return to sender, address unknown. No such number, no such zone. We had a quarrel, lovers spat. He's trying to, uh uh-oh, make up with his girlfriend. I write, I'm sorry, but my letter keeps coming back. So then I dropped it in the mailbox and sent it special D. Bright and early next morning, it came right back to me. Returned to sender, address unknown. No such person, no such zone. 
If you have a bad address, it will lead to disappointment and frustration on a variety of different levels. Now, this is true for just literal addresses, but this is true when you're trying to aim your life at something that doesn't exist. If you are trying to go somewhere and you have the wrong address, you're going to end up frustrated in a whole variety of ways. I try to think about one of the times when I got most lost in my life trying to find something. And I was thinking about when I was serving at Florida State University, I was helping serve a campus ministry up there. Football is less than 100 days away, guys. <laughs> I digress. And uh, so it was summertime, just like now. And that's where the majority of our students would go home or they'd serve an internship over the summer. And um, a church in Central Florida had contracted, not contracted, contacted us to come and do an event with them. And so I drove down from Tallahassee and I agreed to pick up one of my students who was home for the summer. So I lived in Tampa with my parents. So I drove to Tampa from Tallahassee, stayed the night at my mom and dad's house. Got up next morning and I drove about an hour south further to go to Sarasota to pick up this college student of mine who was going to help serve with me over the week at this event that we're going to. So I talked to him on the phone. This is before really smartphones. You know, some people had cell phones, some did not. He did not have a cell phone, so I called his parents' landline. And he told me, okay, when you get on this main thoroughfare, this main drag in Sarasota, take a left, then take a right, then take a left at this road, then a right, then the next two lefts and my house is on the right. See, this is back when, before you told your phone, take me to one, two, three, whatever street, and I just practically drove the car for you. This is back in the day when you had to ask people directions, and you had to write them down. It was like we hadn't even invented the wheel yet. How did we get anywhere, right? And so I wrote down the directions, no problem. Boom, going to Sarasota, go down the main drag and do exactly what he tells me to do. I took the left, I took a right, a left, a right, the next two lefts, and there was no house on the right. In fact, there wasn't just no houses on the right, there was no houses on the left either. There was only 7-Eleven on the right. Like, oh no, I'm not even in a neighborhood. Uh-oh. So I pulled out my flip phone <laughs> to call my friend, and I called his parents' landline, Phone is off the hook. Busy signal. I can't get a hold of him. Call again. Busy. Can't call. Busy. 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 I can't get a hold of him. I'm in a city. I don't know where I'm at. I spent the next two hours trying to drive around Sarasota, trying to find my friend's house, retracing my steps. Maybe I did something wrong directions. Maybe I did something wrong. I couldn't figure out. I kept calling, kept calling, kept calling. Nothing, 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 nothing. Until two hours later, finally picked up a cat, maybe kicked the phone back onto the receiver. Thank God. I said, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm like, what? Your directions are terrible. And here's what he had done. Every single time, he had said, take a left, he meant right. And every time he had said right, he had meant left. And that led us to be three or four hours late to our event. It was no fun. It was no fun. And I don't want to hear a single joke from anybody about why he attended Florida State University, okay? <laughs> All right. But it proves my point. If you're looking for something, you can't find it especially if it, has, if it has a bad address, it will leave you frustrated, disillusioned, disappointed. Part of my job here to tell you today is that if you are looking in life for easy street, you're going to wind up empty because it doesn't exist. 
and you're going to be driving aimlessly looking for it your whole life, thinking something's wrong with you because you can't live on easy street like how you think everybody else is. But the truth of it is, it doesn't exist. In this world, you will have trouble. So Jesus never promised easy. Let's close in prayer. Amen. Oh, there's, there's more? Oh. Jesus promised something, though. He never promised easy. But you see from your memory verse, he promised full. Promised full. And full is better than easy street. It's way better. The meaning for the word full, if you look at the original language there, when Jesus is talking about what he's saying is that I have come to give them life and life to the full. What Jesus is trying to say, I'm come to give you, if you look at the word full, it means abundant or complete. So I've come to give them life and not just life. I've come to give them abundant life, a complete life, a full life, a satisfying life, a life that they were meant, designed, and wired to live with. That's the life that Jesus has made available to everybody who trusts in him and is made as a birthright to every person who's been given the right to become a child of God through the grace of Jesus Christ. It's powerful. And a full life is so much better than an easy one. Now, some people abuse this idea of a full life. Don't trust some of the preachers you see on TV, which is weird because I might be on somebody's TV right now if they're streaming it. So I'm like... <laughs> which is so weird. It is so weird for me. Um, but don't trust some of those people because like, Jesus has come to give you life and life to the full. And just like me, you can have your own private Learjet in Jesus' name if you just call this number now and give to my ministry. That's not what Jesus is talking about. The full life Jesus is talking about is better because the full life he's talking about is a life that's been transformed. Is that a life that where something has so happened so deeply in you, it's been that you've been transformed from the inside out to become like Christ. Where a life that is fully complete is a life that has been changed by Jesus to where you not only become holy like him, but whole, where he's put the broken pieces back together again. And this is for everybody who calls on the name of Jesus. It's not for the spiritual elite because that class of people doesn't exist no matter what you've been told. A core value of our church is core value number seven for community folk. We believe this is a value of our church, that full, there it is again, full devotion, full devotion to Christ is normal. Not exceptional, not special, normal for every person who wants to follow Jesus. Normal. A full life that's abundant, complete, and rich is meant for you if you trust Jesus. That's what he's talking about. Now, when Pastor Dale and I were talking about the message for this week, we really believe that if this is how we're thinking about Easy Street, then we start to think about what are the hindrances that get in our way for people experiencing this full life, for people experiencing a life with Jesus that's beyond just me buying a ticket to heaven, the more than just following Jesus is fire insurance for me after this life, but something deeper, something better, something more. 
What are the hindrances? What are the roadblocks? What are the barriers for people to experience that? And that's what we want to spend the rest of our weeks talking to you about. Not only today, but for the next couple weeks. What are things that get in the way of you living? Not just easy street life, but the real one. And we think the number one barrier that keeps us back from living the life that Jesus died and bled for is our past. Is our past. It's things that we've done in our past. And we have shame about it now. It's things that we did not do in our past that we should have, that we carry regret with now. It's things that have been done to us where we carry resentment and hurt and pain. Lots of things in our past that even though we can keep talking to ourselves and say, it's ancient history and it's behind me, it's still affecting you right here, right now, today. Not only your sins, but the sins committed against you. Not only my sin, the sin that was committed against me too. So what does Jesus have to say about our past in order to lead us into fullness for today? Well, the rest of our scriptures that we're going to look at today real briefly here comes from John chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. It's going to be on your sermon notes. And it's a story from what's called the Pool of Bethesda. And so here's a picture of the ancient ruins of the Pool of Bethesda. You can go there today. Obviously, there's no pool there now, but there was water there at one period in time about 2,000 years ago. And it's an important site. This is a historical story. This is a factual story. You can go there and look at the story where this took place right here, right now. And I'm excited to share this with you because about four years ago, I attempted to preach this passage at Community of Hope. And tell me if you were there. Yeah, they're laughing already. And I couldn't say Bethesda to save my life. How many of you were there for that? It was terrible. Yeah, so many hands. I've preached dozens and dozens and dozens of sermons at Community of Hope. That's the one people remember. <laughs> remember when you couldn't say it right? Shut it. All right, geez. Yeah, hey, hey. Bill Mitchell, you and I are going to hockey fight after church, okay? <sighs> so I'm going to totally redeem myself. I'm going to get it right today. No matter how much Billy has bet me that I'm going to mess it up. Okay. So we're in John chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, the pool of Bethesda. All right. Great. Anyway, it helps when you have two hospitals named after this in your town, which like it helps. But think about this. We name hospitals after this story. Wow. Verse 1. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem, Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded, I can't say it without <laughs> Okay. Which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. Verse 5. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. 
I just imagine Jesus saying that, not like a boss, but with a smile on his face. Get up. Pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured, and he picked up his mat and he walked. The day in which this took place was the Sabbath. And so the Jewish leader said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, "Uh, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, well, who is this fellow who told you to pick up your mat and walk? And the man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. And later Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. I suggest in the short time we have remaining, here's what we see. We see three questions. Some are explicit and some are just implied. Three questions that Jesus asks not only this man but us about our past. First one, question one. Do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? See, if you look at the verses five and six, they're going to put it on the screen. You can see that the man was laying there 30, was it eight or 32? 38 years. That's a long time. The reason he was laying there so long is that we know from other sources that the pool at Bethesda, people used to have mystical belief that if they hung around the pool long enough that eventually the water would begin to stir all by itself, kind of like a like hot tub jets, not hot tub time machine, but like as if like the waters itself started to circle all on its own and started to be moved. They believed an angel was stirring the water. And if somebody who was ill jumped into the water first while an angel was stirring it, they would be healed. They'd be healed. So it makes sense why this man was waiting by the water. 38 years. It's a long time. If you're stuck in the same condition for 38 years, that's difficult. And some of you are stuck with stuff in your past and it's been a long time. And so Jesus looks at him and says, do you want to get well? Which is like the biggest no-brainer question in all of scripture, right? Sir, do you want to get well? What do you think I'm doing here? Trying to pick up chicks' numbers or something? Yeah, I want to get well. I've been laying here for 38 years, but every time the water's stirred, I can't get in and I can't get whole. It's like, Jesus, that was just mean. That's not what he's doing. See, Jesus has a way, and the God of the Bible has a way to lead us into a moment where we name our need in his presence, where he says, yes, I want to get well. I know I've been this way for a long time and it's easy to get comfortable when you're stuck. But yes, I want to get well. Yes, I want to be healed. Yes, I want you to do something new inside of me. The Bible calls this confession where we acknowledge our need in God's presence. This is a picture of a man named Charles Steinmez. Charles Steinmez was a brilliant electrical engineer. He worked for GE. He was a genius. He hung out with Albert Einstein and Tesla. He was brilliant. And at one time in the late 1800s or early 1900s, Henry Ford and his plant had a generator go down and none of his electrical engineers could fix it. 
So Henry Ford reached out to GE and to this genius of an engineer to come and fix the generator in the plant. And so as Charles Steinmez came, he met Henry Ford and all the other engineers there and said, here's what I need. I need a notepad, a pencil, and a cot, and then just leave me alone. Somebody get this man a pencil and a cot and a notepad. And he spent two days doing math computations and looking at stuff and expecting stuff and inspecting stuff and writing things down. And at midnight, on the second night of him being there, he took a ladder, put it up on one of the generators, climbed all the way up, took a piece of chalk, and drew an X on a generator, and climbed back down and went to Ford's electrical engineers and say, right there, replace some wing dings in there. And he packed his bag and went home. They did it, and it worked like a charm. Amazing. Now, keep in mind, late 1800s, early 1900s, okay? We've had a lot of inflation since then, right? Like, if you made a penny a day, you were rich, okay? I'm exaggerating, but you go, I'm saying. So Steinmez sends a bill to Ford, and it's a bill for $10,000 for his services. That's a good contract today, right? $10,000 for his services. And so back then, Ford nearly has a heart attack. Like, oh, $10,000, are you out of your mind? You need to itemize this bill, pal. You didn't, like, did you go out to, like, a steak dinner every single meal? So I'm itemized this. What am I paying for? And so Steinmetz said back an itemized bill to Ford. and said, okay, here it is. $1 charge for drawing an X on your generator. $9,999 charge for the knowledge to know where to mark the X. Interesting, right? Some of you today, with Jesus, I just really, I didn't say this in any of the other services. I believe that there is power that has been waiting to be unleashed in your life and in your heart and what Jesus wants to do inside of you because he's just waiting for you to go and mark an X on the place where you need him to work in your past. Like right here, Jesus, here when I ruined everything, here when I made the worst decision of my life, here when I was abused, here when this person broke my heart, here when I flushed my life down the toilet, here, whatever it is, Jesus is waiting for you to mark an X on a spot in your past and acknowledge your need and tell him, I'm ready to get well. Where's that place for you? Don't leave here before you mark it and tell him. It's question one. Do you want to get well? Question two, are you willing to do the work? Are you willing to do the work? Now, when Jesus asked him, Oh, do you want to get well? The man replied back with the whole deal about the pool and trying to get in the pool that he couldn't get in anymore. And he had the completely wrong idea of what he needed to do to make himself whole, to have the type of life that Jesus was offering to him of healing and wholeness and holiness. He had the completely wrong idea. Do you want to get, well, well, I can't, I can't get in the pool because if I do this, I do that, but I try to do that and nobody can help me. He's full of all these excuses, but Jesus isn't trying to get him into the pool. He's not. And some of you have all these things and self-help ideas that you filled your brain with. 
where you think the work to fix your life and fix your past is on you getting yourself in some symbolic metaphorical pool that will fix you. But it won't. And that's not the work Jesus is calling you to do. He's not calling anybody here to fix yourself. But instead, Jesus looks at him and says, get up, pick up your mat and walk. Which if you've been going to church for a while, you just read over that. And, like, oh, and then the miracle happens and it's just awesome. But if you read it with fresh eyes, like for those of you who might be new to church and new to the Bible, you're a gift to the rest of us because you help us see what's actually there, but we have lost our sight. Because when Jesus looks at him and says, pick up your mat and walk, that was the most insensitive thing Jesus could have said to that man. It was literally impossible for him to get up and pick up his mat and walk home. And Jesus told him to do that. How could he have done something so heartless? Except when Jesus gives a command, even if it seems impossible, when he gives a command, he also gives power to carry it out. And so the type of work Jesus is calling you to do is not go out here and try hard and fix your life, but are you willing to do the work of obedience? Of the things that Jesus calls us to in his word to follow him and obey him, to say yes to what he wants us to say yes to, to say no to what he wants us to say no to. And if it seems impossible to you, you don't know how you could carry it out. I've tried it before and I've failed. He said, yeah, but this time try it with my grace and try it with my power. And I can make you whole. Again, even things where you know in your own strength you can't do it. There is grace in the name of Jesus and in the blood of Jesus spilled on the cross to help you do it. Anybody who come in here to see you on Monday nights? If you come to celebrate recovery, you know that there is grace to do impossible things in Jesus' name. Are you willing to do the work of not fixing yourself but the work of obedience that's powered by grace? Are you willing to say yes and change your past to walk forward in your future? Do you want to be made well? Are you willing to do the work? Last question. Are you ready for resistance? Are you ready for resistance? See, the man, as soon as he was picked up his mat and walked, people came up to him and criticized him. You're carrying your mat wrong. We're doing they completely missed the fact that Jesus had transformed his life. You're breaking our rules. You're offending us. You're not doing it our way. We don't like what's happened to you. And when you start walking in Jesus' way, when you mark the X in your life and in your heart, and you begin to walk in obedience and change your life, there are going to be people who look at you and go, I don't like what you're doing. I don't like how you're changing. And you need to go back to your old way because it made me more comfortable when you were in your stuff just like me. People will do that. Anybody know what I'm talking about? People will do that and they will resist you and they will criticize you and they will shame you and they will unfriend you, not just from Facebook, but in life. And they will call it out on you and they will do it and it will hurt and it will be hard. And it is never easy because in this world you will have trouble. It's not easy. There's one response to that. Great American hero, I read one time, said this. He said, when the mob and the press and the whole world tell you to move, 
Your job is to plant yourself like a tree by the river of truth and tell the whole world, no, you move, said Captain America. (laughs) The point stays the same, though. Are you ready to look at people who are rejecting you and criticizing you and are you ready to not fold and look at them and go, no, you move. I'm going to a full life with Jesus. Now, as the band is coming up here, I can't talk about our past with just putting up this one scripture here that I just need to say. We're a church called Community of Hope and we are partial to hope around here. It says this in Romans 8, 1. The apostle Paul wrote this, a man who literally was killing Christians before he became a Christian. And so he knows a little bit of something about having a past. And yet he wrote this. Therefore, there is now no, say that with me, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The God we worship in this place is the God of the second chance, the God of the fresh start, the God of the new beginning. And the God of the third, fourth, fifth, and sixth chance of whatever chance you need, it is here. If you ain't dead, you ain't done yet. If you need a chance and you need a fresh start, you need something to erase your past and give you a new beginning. He's here and his name is Jesus. And you can reach out for him and experience that in his name. Amen. So friends, this is what we're talking about over the next few weeks. Easy street. But not that, a full life. Let's pray. I'm not going to pray. I'm just going to invite you to pray in the silence of your hearts. Um, Right now, why don't you mark the X in your past and in your life where you want Jesus to, to deal with it? Maybe to forgive something. Maybe to heal something. Maybe to move in your life. He's here to give you a fresh start. Name it now in his presence. Just you and him. Do that now. Jesus, I worship you because you're the God who gives life and life to the full. Thank you. We receive now in your name. Friends, if you're able, I invite you to please stand. And we have prayer teams available on the side here. We're going to sing a song here in just a minute. And if you need prayer for anything, uh, come up and talk to these folks and let them pray for you. And they'll listen to you and listen to your heart. And they're kind of compassionate. And they'll pray for you, whatever you got going on. Uh, Billy and Hannah are going to lead us in a song. It's an oldie but a goodie. It's called, I've Decided to Follow Jesus. Let's sing in response to God's word just really want to encourage you before you go home if you carried a burden in this place a heavy heart maybe a heavy past friends up here would love to pray with you for that come this way before you go that way would you prepare your hearts to receive this benediction now may the love of God the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now forevermore. And all God's people said, amen. Go live the full life. We'll see you next week.